up in the ass of, of Timo. I've driven a whole stage blind, every single corner. The roller coaster on four wheels. A big stone inside there. McCray on opposite lot, Collins Mad Max Day. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Stage Side Podcast. Every episode we're going to be talking to fellow rally fans and find out why they love the sport, asking them about all their favourite drivers, stages and spectating stories that they've got. Our very first guest today is Dan Coverdale. Hi Dan. Hi. You may also know him as Final Tenth. How are you today Dan? I'm good. Uh, good. It's quite quite hot in here actually. <laughs> well thanks for joining us. No problem. First of all, I wanted to ask you about your business, Final Tenth. How did all that start? What sparked the inspiration to start that? I don't think there was a specific, I'd like to say like I went to something and did something. It was like, oh, I had a big, I think I'd, I'd got pieces of merchandise from manufacturers and they were just really boring and some of them weren't particularly good quality and Teams tend to change the team wear every year as well. So it gets quite expensive for a remote sport fan because you've got to keep renewing your team wear every year. Uh, and I would, I kind of got a little bit frustrated by that because it's great having team wear, but then also there's the obligation the next year to kind of do do what the, the team's doing in that instance and kind of get, get the new stuff. Because I used to have a Rally Art t-shirt and I just wear that religiously. It just had the Rally Art logo. It didn't have any other sponsors. So I kind of wanted to make something a bit more personal. I wanted to make something which was kind of a better quality. And just a bit, yeah, the, the kind of the team was very generic and just a bit boring, really. Yeah. And it didn't really, it didn't really appeal to me. So I kind of wanted to inject a bit of my own kind of passion for the sports and enthusiasm and just try and, when everyone was doing this kind of thing, I wanted to kind of go in the opposite direction. And you're a graphic designer by trade, aren't you? I'm actually a UX designer now. Uh, right. I've been a digital designer. I've been graphic designer. So you've got I've that done, background in the... Yeah, I've done websites, I've done print. Uh, illustration was kind of... It was something I kind of taught myself after hours. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, which is something... I didn't have the skills initially. Uh, and I just kind of experimented and did tutorials and I really kind of found it interesting. It's something I do for fun rather than... I think if I did it as a day job, I think I'd be less enthused with it. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, it always feels like the kind of the secret project you do. You do after hours when everyone's gone home. Mm -hmm. Your side hustle. Yes. And where do you get ideas for your project? Where do you go, right, this is what I'm going to do now? I have, uh, I've got a big archive of stuff. Uh, people have gifted stuff to me. I've collected stuff since, it's probably about 99 when I went to my first event. I've got programs, uh, stickers. Uh, I go to things like Race Retro quite a lot. Uh, they've got a really good auto jumble. I like looking through boxes of miscellaneous stickers and uh, I'll see something while I'm out that is completely not related to, to rallying. Uh, I was at M-Sport recently and I really like the cones they had for the new 2022 electric cars. So they were kind of interesting for me. And, I kind of I collect bits of inspiration from places and then they'll kind of form into ideas over time. Mm -hmm. That's great. So it's, it's not always an immediate thing. Sometimes it'll be a couple of months later or sometimes it kind of happens there and there. And how long did it take you to do a design? Like you recently did the Evo. 
How long was that sort of from start to finished product? That took uh, about a week. Oh, yeah. uh, kind of most of the evenings, I kind of, you kind of lose track of time with the design sometimes if you really invested it and you really, it's really exciting to you, you kind of lose track of how long it's taken. Uh, I have a tendency to, to work on stuff continuously, continuously trying to get it perfect and then I'll maybe get to like 95% and sometimes I'll kind of bin it and start on something else because it's always that getting it perfect and you sometimes it kind of it is perfect but you something inside you goes up it's not quite right or maybe the maybe your focus changes a bit or sometimes you just lose interest in things so if I'm really invested in something it tends to be pretty quick yeah uh it, the t-shirt to... yeah the t-shirts take a while mm-hmm. uh stickers a bit quicker yeah uh I've got a lot of my own equipment now, so I'm able to do experimentation and try things that I normally wouldn't have tried because mm-hmm. I can kind of do, I can do small runs of products and things. And I've got a fancy printer and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Invested it as you come along. Speaking of that, is there anything that you've sort of learned along the way where you go, oh, I wouldn't have done that if I could do it over again? Any learning curve? Uh, I don't always make the right product decisions. Uh, <laughs> sometimes something you, I mean, this happens in anything really. Sometimes something you really, really like, uh, other people don't really get, or they think it's a bit weird, or it's a bit too, a bit too niche. Uh, I made some koozies, which are kind of drinks coolers, which are really big in, big in America, mm-hmm. and I was super excited about. It. I thought they were going to be. An amazing product, and everyone would really love them. But I think I sold about three. Uh, and I've got boxes and boxes of them. <laughs> and uh, I'm really into like El Condor in mm-hmm. on the Argentine rally. Uh, so I had a little mugs made with that, with the design of that one. And they, again, I think maybe I was more interested in in that than other people were. So yeah. sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But that's mm-hmm. kind of part of the part of the fun. Yeah, it's tricky there. Um, how did you first get into rallying? When was your first experience what, that you can remember? It's always a trick on this because I I lived near Park Hall Camelot and we used to have a single stage stage rally while it was still a theme park and it was kind of it was a small loop of the grounds and it was kind of time like gravel mixed service but it was kind of local clubman and uh, John Stone who he drove a six off four then he has a Polo GTI now uh he used to always run in the 604 and i kind of i really kind of sparked my imagination in person the first rally i can kind of remember is the is the snowy network key mm-hmm. where stig bonfist in the skirt of felicia i think you think it's third or fourth um, i mean it's a bit hazy but that was the first kind of rally i remember watching on tv and then yeah. in terms of kind of 99 was my first WRC event and we went to, my dad took us to Silverstone. We'd always kind of threatened we'd go to a WRC rally, but we never kind of made it happen. So my brother and my dad and me went in 1999 and we went to Silverstone for the, the stage around circuit. We didn't go to the, there's a really good super special. For some reason we didn't go to the super special. I think maybe we didn't, didn't quite have enough money to go to both stages. Uh, but that was my first time seeing kind of WRC cars. Yeah. 
mm -hmm. person. So it's in the family then? Yeah, my dad, uh, most dads are kind of into football, I think, or F1, uh, different kinds of sports. My dad was always into motorsport. So I never really got a foothold in football and that never kind of caught on because there just wasn't football in the house. Mm -hmm. So my dad was always watching BTCC. Uh, he'd watch F1 now and again. And he kind of had an interesting rally in since... I think when he was a teenager, he used to go with, with his mates to the Lombard RAC. So I kind of didn't have a choice, really. It kind of, it ambiently became my, my interest over time. <laughs> but the 6 out of 4 must have been an amazing car to see when you're small. Yeah, because that was my first interaction with the Group B car. And looking back now, Six RFLs are pretty agricultural, uh, very square. They're not particularly sophisticated, kind of big engine in the back, square, square, very square. Uh, and then just kind of local businessmen hammering one round a theme park access road. So it was, it was not quite the full rally experience. Uh, but kind of hearing that noise through the trees and uh, there was a little little bit of a lake in the middle of Camelot and like occasionally someone would kind of drive into it. Uh, I remember kind of Steve Simpson as well used to do those kind of events. Mm -hmm. So it tended to be to kind of Northwest business people. So that was my first, I think that was my first rally I went to. And it was, a, it was at kind of Christmas time as well. So the roads were super icy, uh, pretty cold. Uh, so always lots of sliding, crashing incidents. <laughs> and then that was you cooked. Yes. Okay. Um, your favourite. Have you got a favourite all-time car? <sighs> That's a big question. Uh, probably the RS200. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really because it, it didn't compete for a long period and kind of its, its execution was cut fairly short in the end. Uh, it never really got to kind of show its potential, but there's something, there's something about it I really, I really like. There's a particular car, I think it's B200 AYD, which was a, a Lombard car. And I kind of follow that around to, to different events in the UK. I've seen it race right through a couple of times. I think it's been at Rally Day a few times. So that particular car, I don't know why, something about that that I really like. I think it's the same with everyone. When you get a car that you love, it's just, you don't know why you love it, but you just do. The yeah. and the engine noise and everything, there's just something about it that's like anything, isn't it? And then probably kind of the Evo, Evo 7 WRC, mm -hmm. because I was, I was a Tommy Mackin fan at the time. <laughs> everyone, everyone was a Subaru, Subaru fan. I wasn't a Colin fan. Uh, I was always a Tommy Mack and I found like, for some reason I've kind of found an affinity with that team. And I've mm -hmm. been a Tommy fan for quite a while. And it was kind of, the seven came, it was a really weird period with Mitsubishi where they were kind of transitioning from having the group A car to the full WRC spec. And they'd made, they made the seven and really the car was pretty terrible. Uh, it didn't get any decent results, but it just looked really good. Yeah. I remember when the seven came out, it was so different from 
from the six because we kind of had the angular lines and it, there was something about that, that seven that I really liked, mm -hmm. even though it was absolutely terrible. Yeah, but there's just something about the Evos. Yeah. I'm a Subaru, just can't beat the Impreza, but you love the Evos as well. Whenever you see them on the road, it's just like, yeah. there's just something about the Japanese cars and they're just... My my dad and brother were always kind of Impreza aficionados, like dad's has, I think it's a three or four Impreza's now. Uh, but I was kind really? of always... Nice. Yeah, I was always, I was always like an Evo guy. Mm -hmm. uh, Just to be different. And then, yeah, there was, there's a bit, of, yeah, there's a bit of a theme there with me kind of <laughs> going the opposite direction to people. Uh, I know Mitsubishi fans and Subaru fans at the time weren't particularly, they didn't get on particularly well. And there was a lot of kind of weird kind of rivalries between things. And even the light events we used to go where they used to have club stands and things. They didn't really associate with it because it kind of wasn't, it wasn't the dumb thing that we had these little kind of communities and they very much stuck together. Chris's thing, we've got to sort of football rivalry. Yes. <laughs> okay. Of all your WRC spectating, have you got three favourite moments that you can tell me about? So the, the first one would probably be my first WRC event at Silverstone. Uh, and I stood on... I forget which part of the circuit is. It's kind of the older part of the circuit, but there was a, it was called like the tree bore mince slalom. Uh, I've got a video somewhere and you kind of, they'd fire in off the course and then it was just 12 or so kind of chicanes and just kind of watching the car sliding from side to side, lot to lot, like really effortlessly and, no one hitting the barriers and kind of the crowd cheering like that was it was a good kind of first introduction for me yeah sounds great the atmosphere and everything i'd kind of yeah i'd kind of seen it on rallying was really in a high in kind of 1999 and kind of fell off a little bit in the 2000s but i think 99 we kind of had creating the focus and tommy was in the mitsubishi and Say Abita's kicking about and Skoda's and mm -hmm. Subaru's and kind of Escort, Cosworth, WRC's still in the kind of privateer hand. So there was a really good range of of cars and drivers. Uh, you said three, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, the second one would probably be WRC Germany. I think I went in, it was the last year it ran. I forget, I've got a really terrible memory for for dates uh it was my first kind of foreign wrc event and we drove up this kind of really beautiful piece of countryside and there was a, a kind of snaking ribbon of tarmac and then a hairpin left uh there was a little stall selling kind of german bratwurst and it was it was really sunny it was just, it was just a nice it was a nice and it was it was my uh my wedding stag do as well. I didn't have a traditional stag do. I went to WRC Germany for that. Uh, yeah. So I just had a really nice time. Mm -hmm. It was just really enjoyable. Uh, the third one is probably me standing behind a Ford Transit van on the top of uh, Fint in the absolute pouring rain. Uh, it's the wettest I've ever been. And I, honestly, it was miserable, but it was... It was memorable because it was so bad. Uh, 
I remember that year just it rained and rained and rained and rained. It didn't stop all weekend. And we were just kind of huddled behind this <laughs> for transit and car stuff flying by. And it's a weird one, that, isn't it? <laughs> no, it just doesn't matter if it's pouring with rain. We've all done it. Sit there waiting for ages. Yeah. Waiting. And it's like, who cares if it's raining? It's just when the cars come past, you're just like, who cares? I'm soaking wet. <laughs> just the best thing ever. I think I had, uh, I had trainers on as well, which wasn't oh, really? ideal. And I think I had jeans on. Uh, we went one year to Wales. I went with my brother and we fought like cat and dog. And it was pouring with rain the whole time and he bought one thin jacket. And I had to give him one of my extra jackets that I brought with and I was so hacked off. That's, that sounds like me and my brother. <laughs> yeah. We've had very similar experiences. Yeah, definitely. But that's Wales. You just have to deal with the rain. I kind of... I always liked it when it rained because mm-hmm. it was just it was different to the other rounds because traditionally on a lot of the rounds you, you don't get rain uh, kind of Argentina sometimes you get rain Portugal you sometimes yeah. get rain but like GB you were always guaranteed it would rain uh, I can count I can count on one hand how many times it's been dry <laughs> for a rally GB I don't think I've ever been there and not got rained on it's just just all part of it, as you say. I can remember the, the atmosphere, rain and mud. They moved the date to too early in the year, and it was really sunny. And mm-hmm. it was a little bit weird because it didn't. I couldn't reconcile with memories I had on the event and what I was looking at because it was it was really warm. I kind of had a t-shirt on. Is that when they moved it get... to like October or something? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because I've got photos with shadows of spectators because it was sunny. Yeah, like and I was normal. I was a little bit cross on some level because it was kind of like they'd taken something that was kind of uniquely uniquely British away from us. <laughs> we bring you the rain. What is it we want yeah. to offer? But no, it's fine. But now it's gone completely and there's no whales. Yeah. Uh, Disappointing. I don't know what we can do about that. No. Rally is- come back again. I think rallying is a tricky sell in kind of mm. 2022. Uh, it doesn't really reconcile with environmentalism in a lot of aspects. And a lot of the forests now, I think, can see the value in catering to everyone else rather than us mm-hmm. ripping up all the roads for a couple of days a year. But we've uh, got batteries now. They're so environmentally friendly. Yeah, not quite, I think. I think probably... <laughs> It's, it's a good first step, and I, I really like the 2022 cars. Uh, I think we could go further. I, I, I don't know what that would be. No. I think it'll, hap- it'll happen a little bit slower in, in rallying than other sports. Uh, I do think there's a way for us kind of to, to coexist with, be sustainable, and also have the enjoyment as well. Yeah, but I agree with you. It's a first step into introducing the technology. Yeah. I mean, it's a good first step. We should be doing it. I mean, Wales was always really good, but I think probably the promoter was looking to kind of mix things up a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think really, I'd love to see it go to Northern Ireland, which uh, I've kind of been lynched for previously. Because uh, it's like you can't, you can't even consider taking the event out of Wales with a lot of people. Uh, but I kind of, I'm a bit more open-minded in that. And I think it would go really well in Northern Ireland. I know people are really passionate over there about rallying. So 
No, that's a good point. They seem to have a really big following over there. I feel like we've we've kind of had our time <laughs> a little bit. So it'd be good to it'd be good to share. The, yeah. The, the WRC events in Ireland were always kind of really, really well attended, and I know they're just they're so passionate. Yeah. Passionate about the sport over there. I think it'd be good to to let them. Yeah, I think they're really pushing it at the moment as well. The circuit of Ireland and their races, you just get a lot of coverage of it. And then, yeah. I don't know about you, but on Twitter and Instagram, I see a lot of it. It's really good. And they should give I think just, a chance. It's just the sports on another, another level mm-hmm. over there. So, and it's more, it's more kind of ingrained in, in the culture as well, I think. Uh, yeah. I know lots of people in Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Mm-hmm. Correct. Uh, don't we get? There we go. We'll argue for that. Annoy all the people. Uh, I, I know lots of people over there and the real kind of, you speak to them in person and they just, they're just so passionate about the sport. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's really inspiring to kind of speak to those people and they've got different stories to you and they've had different experiences with events. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, there was an Irish corner on the WRC event, and I've yeah. never had a spectating experience like that. Just everyone was just on it, and just shouting and uh, singing, and we're like, "Why?" When other cars cars went past, and air horns, and I've, just, I've never had a spectating experience like this. One of my kind of best memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Sometimes on Wales, it can be a bit quiet and people can be a bit, you know, more subdued. But like when we went to Finland, it was like that everywhere. Guys in tractor trailers pushed up and everyone shouting from one end of the wood to the other. That was so sort of alive. And I think we miss a bit of that in Wales. I think we're a little bit more reserved. Definitely. Uh, I like that. See, when we went out when we were kids in Scotland, it was a, there was a lot of, I want to say, camaraderie. You were all friends and you'd all speak to each other. Yeah. Like a group mentality. But I think I felt like the last few times I went down to Wales, it just wasn't like that. I always seem to bump into someone I know in Wales. Yeah. Uh, no matter where I am, in the middle of nowhere, I'll bump into someone. Uh, there's... There's a guy called Josh, Josh Folks, uh, mm-hmm. who I always seem to bump into in the middle of nowhere on repeated days. So, because I know he's, I know he's super into it as well. Uh, yeah. No, that's a great thing. I love coming and meeting people because we keep. My, my memories are going to tie to, yeah, my memories are going to tie to people and conversations I've had and experiences. You can't, sometimes you kind of forget that there's a, there's a rally on. Uh, mm-hmm. But I tend to remember speaking to people more so than actual kind of events. Yeah. That have happened during the rally. It's really good meeting people and bumping into people and just making friendship with people from all around the world. Because I don't know about you, but you do. You just meet people and speak to them and, you know. I've got a really, yeah, I've got, a, I've got like a really broad base of connections. I know people in New Zealand and uh, people like Gary Boyd, who used to, interact with when I first started the brand and uh, a couple of photographers and it's, it's good to be able to share your passion for something with such a broad range of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's a really, 
it's a really inclusive sport and I think it's really good just to have lots of different kinds of people yeah definitely that's why I love it I came back onto Twitter recently and it's just all these people all over the world and you all share this passion that's why I wanted to start this so that I could speak to people face to face as well because it's just so good chatting to people about it that are so passionate about it and everybody on there is so passionate and wants to share all their experiences I've kind of there's been periods where I've been maybe not as involved as I am I tend to sometimes with rallies you'll have like a really intense period and then maybe the sport drops off a little bit and then you kind of start looking at other things it's always been it's always been there as a kind of consistent consistent part of my life since I was very young. I was going to ask you, have you had any experience yourself of driving, co-driving or marshalling? I feel really bad because I've never marshalled. Uh, <laughs> I really, I really, yeah, I know. I really, I really respect the people, the job that marshals do uh, and we couldn't have a sport without them. And I do feel guilty all the time about not marshalling. So one day. Yes. Uh, my dad marshals quite regularly. Uh, my brother's done it as well. Uh, <laughs> I, I always had a camera and the two things aren't compatible. Uh, what about driving? Question. Driving's an interesting one because I, I've got it here actually. I'm going to use a prop. Uh, I, I graduated, graduated, uh, <laughs> the, the Forest Experience Rally School when it was, oh, well. when it was David Higgins. Uh, I won a competition. I have to design a logo, actually. I, I designed their logo in a competition and I got a full day's, full day's rallying out of it. And I drove a, it was a Mitsubishi, I want to, it wasn't a, it, it wasn't a Lancer or Glant, it was a Mitsubishi something, I forget what it was. Uh, it was kind of like a quarter of an Evo. Uh, so, it was pretty terrifying at times. Uh, driving on gravel was really kind of scary for me. Uh, I got through it and I, I did okay. Uh, I'm terrible at handbrakes, handbrake turns. So if, if we were in a rally and someone asked me to do a handbrake turn, I'd probably just retire on the spot <laughs> or handbrake into a tree. Uh, I could never master that skill. And then I had a ride with uh, one of the instructors at the end of the day and it was terrifying. <laughs> just throwing this car around and I just it wasn't even a super fast car I, it just felt like we were going a thousand miles an hour and we were aiming at trees and you'd, you'd think I'd be like I'd like going fast but I don't know if I like going fast uh, I had a ride in a group A Subaru at rally day as well around the course uh, that also terrifying even that was on that was on tarmac, not gravel, and it was like we turned before we hit the corner, and I couldn't reconcile that in my head with what I was looking at and what what was happening. Uh, I drove a, a buggy around Lyndon Hill Rallycross circuit as well, like a Polaris buggy, which was interesting as well. And I nearly stacked a Suzuki Swift rallycross car into a fence at Jackfest because <laughs> it had you had to warm the brakes up apparently before they'd work and no one told me that and I, I, I took it off a trailer as a, as a favour for someone oh, wow. and I nearly put it into 
put it into a fence. That's not the answer I was expecting. No. I assumed most rally fans are frustrated one of the rally drivers. But no, it's not. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't really want. I don't know. I think if I was to do it, I'd have to have a slow car. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's the point. Something like a yeah, something like a Formula One thousand. I think just kind of taking part in events is, and a yeah. kind of Targa Targa rally is bigger at the moment, and they tend to be kind of smaller engines. Uh, so you're not sitting there jealous of all these drivers in the WRC. No, so I don't think I am. It's a different. It's a different skill set. Definitely. I couldn't. I just can't. I can't see my head out. I'd really be comfortable. <laughs> You've given it a good try this. anyway. I think I'd, I'd worry about crashing and. Yeah, I think you have to be missing that bit of your brain. Yeah. Oh, I'm fine. Uh, I'm not going to die. And I'd probably get my life insurance cancelled. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. I think. From the sounds of it, I'm surprised you haven't had it cancelled already. <laughs> but yeah. Now, what do you drive on a day to day basis? I drive a Volkswagen Up GTI. Oh, yeah. uh, I it's fast, but it's not fast. It's, okay. There's the, there's the illusion of going fast. Uh, it's only one liter with a little turbo. I think it's some 100, 103 horsepower. But it's just it's so much fun to drive, and there's a a sound actuator, so it kind of pumps noise into the cabin. So it sounds it sounds faster and louder than it is. Uh, you can't you can't go fast enough to kind of get in trouble mm -hmm. so okay. I just kind of knit around town a bit that's great um what about this year who's your money on who are you backing for the championship this year I was reading some of this morning about theoretical points and how I'd hoped like Elfin would win this year that was kind of my I, I kind of thought he'd go all the way this year but I think looking at the points statistically it's just not going to happen yeah uh I guess it's going to be Kelly Bear, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's looking like it. He's very it's, impressive it's, for such a young, you know, inexperienced driver. Just, we're getting younger and younger. They uh, are. Oh, maybe we're just getting older and older, Dan. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> 30, 37 now, I think probably my shot at a WRC career is, mm -hmm. is over. I think I'd be in the senior class. Yeah. But no, they do so well at such a young age. But then him and Oliver Solberg, look at the parentage that they've got and all the backing that they've had. I think there's a lot of pressure for them to, because they both kind of have a family name as well. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, there must be an immense pressure on them both to, to kind of perform. Yeah, uh, definitely. They're kind of so young as well. I think in the past you'd kind of, you'd ramp up to when you go through a couple of the classes. And, mm -hmm. But now it's like you can... You can do be really fast in. Uh, I forget the classes. What I mean, rally, rally two, rally, rally three. Now, isn't it? Yeah. Be really fast in a rally three, and then sometimes like they'll jump into jumping straight into an R five and go, and maybe do a season or two in that, and then they're straight into the WRC. I think there's less of a. I think in the old days you, you kind of do the time when you and put you do hundreds and hundreds of events to kind of get experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they've started doing this when they're like eight and they're sitting in rally cars already. They're just fast straight away. And kind of, if you've got it, you've got it. Yeah. Okay, Dan, I'll let you go. <laughs> Honest you enough. But that's been great. Thank you so much for joining You're us. Welcome. Now, you can be found on Twitter at The Final Tenth and that's your correct. Instagram at Final Tenth. That's correct. That you. And if anyone wants to come and speak to me, if this hasn't been too painful. <laughs> 
they can be found on Twitter at StagesideWRC or at, in, on Instagram at StageSide underscore WRC. But thank you so much. You're welcome. And enjoy Absolutely. the rest of your Easter Sunday. I will do. Okay, bye-bye. Okay.